thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Extra Rounds podcast. This is actually a very special day. One year ago today, we posted a video announcing this show. So it's not quite exactly a year from the first show, but it's a year from us introducing the show to the world. So kind of cool that it fell on a day that we're doing the podcast. Yeah, it worked out really well. That was uh, nice. It was uh, thanks for Facebook for you know the see your memories reminder <laughs> that that helped uh, you know when I was trying to figure it out. But uh, it's been a it's been an incredible journey. Yeah. Uh, Sixty plus episodes in a in a year, a little you know more than one a week um, sometimes. So. Uh, it's been exciting. Yeah. It's been fun. It's been a lot of fun, man. And it's been a journey for you over the past year. Yeah. Yeah. And it started with this, you know, yeah. like I, I quit Fox sports and then the next day we announced this and, and it allowed me to get started on, on stuff that I was really excited about uh, right away. No gap, you know, since then. Yeah. You know, also write for, for flow combat and that's a wonderful gig, but it all started here with my buddy. And, uh, so I'm, I'm super excited, just as excited as I was back then maybe even more so and and, uh, and just super grateful that we were able to do it and f- doing big things at flow combat they uh, Thanks, Dwayne man. Dwayne Finley uh, had a great John Jones piece if you guys want to go check yeah, that out it's a uh, real today. Good story um, getting a lot of praise in the interwebs which <laughs> uh, sometimes isn't always the most friendly but today on the show we have a couple fighters from UFC 214 joining us Kaylin Curran and Aljamain Sterling, uh, who also has some ties to the Long Island card this weekend, even though he's not fighting on it. Yeah. So we're looking forward to talking to the two of them. Uh, we're going to jump right into the interviews just because it's a uh, we want to give these guys the most amount of time to talk. <laughs> You've heard us talk. These people have things to say, and we want you to be able to hear what they have to say. They have even busier schedules than us. So, yeah, That's we'll give, we'll give Kaylin a Also really tr- true. <laughs> At least right now, right, ahead of a fight or ahead of a couple fights. Give Kaylin a call now. She's expecting us to see if this works for her. I wanted to find out. Hello? Kaylin, this is Elias. I'm here with my co-host in the X Rounds podcast, Mike. Thanks for making time. Hi, thanks for having me. Absolutely. Uh, so close to a fight. We know this is... Uh, this isn't easy for you, so hopefully we, we provide a little distraction and not just more stress, but thanks again for making time. What's your day like been today so far? Have you already started any of your training, or are you still relaxing? Um, right now, I'm just hanging out. Um, I'll probably go in in a few hours and get some um, drilling in and then some sparring, and then that's basically it for today. Is this about your, your last week of that you'll be doing any real – uh, hard work or things like sparring? Uh, yeah, this is my last hard week of any type of work. So um, it's been a it's been a fairly tough week. Um, just trying to finish off strong because I know next week I'll be able to just relax and kind of focus a little bit more on just uh, just being um, mentally strong and stuff. So yeah. So yesterday uh, offline, I was actually talking with your coach, Jason Perillo, out there in Orange County, California. Now, you're Hawaiian. Did you, do, you, do, you, do you live in California now? Did you move, or do you just come there for camps? Uh, yeah, I live, in, I live in California now. Okay. How long ago did you make that move? Uh, I've been here for about maybe four years now, four, wow. almost five. What made you, yeah, des- so what made you decide to do that? Um, when I first moved out, I was actually, I moved here to train um, at Brain, 
um, Mark Munoz had a gym. Yeah. Um, so that's where I first started. And then maybe like two years after being here, the gym closed down. And that's kind of how um, I started training at Ruka. Um, and then I kind of, mm. and then I actually haven't been working with Pearl for a, a very long, but mm. um, that's kind of how we started working together, just was training in their gym like using the facility and then um we kind of got to talking on i was around him every day so it was like it made sense to kind of like have him as a boxing coach and um it's super it's just it's just helpful having him no, no, i guess because it's so. kind of hard to find yeah it's kind of hard to find like any um really any mma gyms out here so mm. yeah to us in chicago Southern California and Hawaii probably both seem equally like paradise. Uh, are, what are the main differences, like, from where you grew up and where you live now? And was it a big adjustment for you, just personally, or, or, or in terms of living style, or not really? Um, yeah, when I first moved here, because I've lived in Hawaii my whole life, and um, it was a little bit hard just because, like, I had no, like, real family out here or that many friends, so it was, like, difficult at first. But, um... I did move out here with my uh, fiance now, but he was my boyfriend at the time. So it was, we, you know, we kind of like started that chapter together to like live out here and stuff. Um, it's different. It is kind of different out here, the lifestyle, but I mean, it, I live in um like a beach town. Uh, it's called San Clemente. So it's kind of, it's a real relaxing town and like pretty chill. So um, I got used to it and I really like it out here. It's awesome. I, I've got just one more question for you. I know Mike wants to jump in as well, but you know when, when I, you know you're one of my favorite fighters in the division to watch, uh, and and mm-hmm. and uh, you know I I didn't really start watching until you made your UFC debut. Then I went back and saw tape, but it's kind of amazing. I mean, you made your amateur debut at at a, at, a, at least for MMA a, a relatively young age, um, and then once you went pro, you kind of jumped. Uh, Kaylin, right into the into the deep end. Now, obviously, there's challenges with with the type of opposition you always face, kind of fight in and fight out with the high quality, uh, you know, opponents you're, you're always taking on. Most of a lot of whom have like more fights, uh, perhaps than than you do. That's clear that it's that it's tough. Are, are there any? Is there any like? Has there been any upside if you think about it? It's just jumping right in as you have to to really the 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 elite talent pool like you didn't even you didn't even get fights in an invicta before going to the ufc you went right into yeah. ufc and all that like are there is there any is there any positive side to that for you when you look back on it uh, um true yeah that's a good question it's tough because like i i i, I guess i haven't really i didn't like getting the ufc contract at the time i i wasn't really like i was getting signed after winning like three of my uh first professional fights so i was like coming in getting that contract very confident um like i i was like at the time i i guess i was just like i didn't know how um inexperienced i actually was until like i started getting more and more fights and getting more of that flight experience so like looking back on it um I mean, I know it's tough because it's like every fight that I go into, it's always like I feel like it it could be my last fight with the UFC just because of like the way my record looks. But at the same time, it's like I have such like close fights or like really good fights. I put on really good shows. So 
um, I mean, that's a whole other, like, I don't know, it's, a, it's hard to talk about just because, mm. like, I have to, like, right now I'm just focusing on what's next, you know, like, I can't really look back and say, like, well, maybe I shouldn't have, because this is, I'm already here, I'm already, I'm already in the UFC, I already had, like, four fights, regardless of the outcomes of those, I have, I'm getting another opportunity, so it's, like, this next fight for me is huge. Um, just like, but I'm approaching it as I would any other fight. Every fight for me is huge, but I know that, like, this is a good opportunity for me to finally like pull through and like get the win. And especially um, facing Alexandra, she's a, her record. She's undefeated, so this is it. Will, it it's gonna look really good for me if I get the win. Um, this next fight. You talked about the feeling that it could always be your last fight, and I, and I think that's a thing you know people always point to feeling like your back's against the wall. Is that is that a real thing, and, and is that something you have to deal with, and how do you deal with it? Um, at this point, I just kind of take it with a grain of salt, like whatever anyone has to say, because when I see something negative, like oh, you, uh, like on like on any type of social media, on any type of social media platform, people. Some people, not a lot of them, but, like, I do get, like, few comments, like, oh, she better win this fight or she's going to get cut. Or, like, people will say, like, how is she still signed to the UFC, blah, blah, blah. But it's just, like, I just take that with the, the bad with the good, you know, and just kind of roll with it just because, it's like, I mean, what else am I going to do? I put on great shows. If I did lose, it was, like, they're really close fights, and I know I'm capable of, like, putting together a fight. So it's just, like, I don't know. I just kind of, like, don't take it too you know too seriously I just kind of go with it and like whatever happens like to me I like I am a fighter but whatever happens I'm pretty go with the flow um I don't think that if I got cut from the UFC that I wouldn't be able to like fight in different organizations um but I don't know right now this fight is like basically where all my focus is because this is a very important fight for me to win. Um, so I think that's just what I'm focused on the most right now. Well, we're glad you're, you're trying not to pay any of that stuff too much mind. You know, and anyone who knows what they're watching looks at your fights and see that your, your skill and your talent is, is self-evident. So uh, we really appreciate you being on so close to your fight again. We're really looking forward to watching you, and you hope you, we hope you have a, let her rip out there and have a, have a good time just expressing herself. Mm -hmm. And look forward to talking with you after the fight as well. Right on. Thank you, guys. You're welcome. Take care, Kaylin. I, I I hate to rush anyone off. I know she's probably glad to have the time off, but we're hopefully going to get Aljamain Sterling on in a moment, too. I know all their schedules are really, really tight, so I knew we needed to try to move along. You know, we got We have to cater to the stars of the show. <laughs> and, they're, and they are the stars of the show. Yeah, absolutely. Should I should I give Aljamain Sterling a, a try? Yeah, give him a, give him a go. Cool. Uh, would have loved to talk to Kaylin more. She's had, you know, kind of a um, tumultuous, to say the least, journey in the UFC. Uh, you know, I think she's one in three, but she's fought some people. Like, she fought Felice Herrig. Yep. And lost. Felice Herrig has a ton of experience between Muay Thai and yep. uh, the UFC. Um, she's so, fought nothing but really great experienced fighters in the UFC so yeah. far. So. I mean, Felice Herrig, it's, her record's 10 and 6. You know, that's more fights than Ronda Rousey has in MMA, but right, she has, like, right. just as extensive as a career outside of MMA fighting yeah, combat sports. Dozens of fights there. So, Aljamain just texted us. He said he's he's down for us to call. Um, 
Also, it's on the same card, right? They're both on this 214. Both on 214. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so this is awesome. Going to another young warrior, Aljamain Sterling, fighting former champion Henan Barrow at UFC 214 uh, in a catchweight fight. Got to talk to the man. He's all over the place right now doing pre-fight stuff. In addition, it was last week of, of real work like Kalen Curtin was doing. So we'll give him a ring and see what he's got to say for a few minutes here. Hello. Aljo, this is Elias. I'm here with Mike Dice. Thanks so much for being on the Extra Rounds podcast, brother. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So we were just talking with uh, Kaylin Curran. I know you said you, you, you know her. She's also on the same card. This, this card is, is an amazing card, but it's also been one that everyone was, was kind of been hoping wouldn't fall apart. Now, one of the best fights on the card is yours. Uh, and, you know, what, I'm, I'm kind of curious, what convinced you – to fight Henan Barrow to catch weight once California said, hey, we won't let him fight uh, at, you know, at the actual uh, weight limit. I imagine that wouldn't have been an easy decision for you to, to do, or was it? I mean, it took a, it took a little bit of uh, some time to kind of warm up to the idea. I guess uh, there's a couple of motivating factors outside of that and a couple of pros, a couple of cons, but Ultimately, we just came to came to the uh, decision that you know let's let's get him now, while we're hot, while we're on the roll, and uh, while we're feeling good. You know, I was, I was having a great training camp, and I kind of felt like uh, everyone just kind of threw a monkey wrench into everything by trying to push the fight back halfway through the training camp, which was pretty unfair to me mm. and very unprofessional, if you ask me. But um, you know, here we are. So you know, we'll get it on in less than a week. Well. Just about a little over, yeah. I guess you say. Yeah. What, what were the pros you saw in taking the fight at the catchweight? Um, well, the main one was I'm trying to get four fights in this year. I, I got a lot of outside of outside of my fighting career. There's a lot of things going on in my personal life that uh, I, I would like to take care of and, and get under control. And um, for any of my, my fans who have actually been following and know what's really going on, outside of the octagon you know not a lot of people take into account or realize that you know us fighters are real people and we do have our own life situations and problems that we got to deal with on a daily basis just like anybody else Um, we don't just train and fight you know there's other things we got to take care of and that was one of the main factors and uh of course, the fight's before my birthday, two days before my birthday, so we got to get that in. <laughs> <laughs> well, happy early birthday. We'll wish you a happy birthday after the fact as well. I, you know, the, the last time uh, I, I personally got a chance to, to interview you, Aljamain, we talked a lot about not, I mean, I guess it's personal stuff, but just like outside of the cage interests, like outside careers, like the other things you're working on. And, and, and we also talked about... Uh, about fighter pay and fighter opportunities and all sorts of stuff. You know, I think we, the, it was in, it was shortly after your, your team and ally and Quinta was, was vocal uh, after his last fight. And, and we were talking about that. And I know from that conversation, we, we spoke for flow combat. Um, we spoke for an article for flow combat. Then, you know, it seemed to me that it, as much as you love fighting, um, if things consider continued in, in the fighting career down one path, in terms of pay and opportunities, that it, it you know it would it, it would negatively affect your motivation or your desire to do that because you have you're a smart guy you're an educated guy you've got other things you can do when it comes just to just to making money. 
Was this fight, the, the catchweight and all that drama aside, the fact that it's a former champion uh, and, uh, and really an all-time great in Henan Burrell, did that do anything particular to excite you for your UFC career? Again, you're dealing with so much, uh, and, and you're also just a you know, vocal critic of, of kind of the, the business structure. Did that fight, the, that guy, get you particularly motivated, or was it not really a factor? Yeah, it was definitely a big factor. I mean, these are the fights that people tune into, you know. Uh, he's a, I want to say, somewhat of a household name, or at least pretty much close to it. Uh, Dana White was pegging him as one of the pound-for-pound pound greats at a, at a point, you know, pumping him up, put him on, putting him on the pedestal until TJ knocked him off of that. Um, so for me to be the second guy to beat Henan Burrell at the Bantamweight division will be a huge thing. Hey, you know, this I kind of look at it like this. When I was coming up through the ranks, Henan Burrell was the guy. That was the guy to be. Even before he won the belt, I said, I'm going to end up fighting this guy. I guarantee he's going to probably be the next guy to hold the belt. And uh, I kind of look at this fight as this is my world championship, albeit three rounds. I feel like th- I do feel like this is my uh, my title fight. And my I think third time's a charm, man. I had two top-level fights that didn't quite go my way. If I had two different judges, maybe. Who knows? Maybe that fight swings in my favor. But um, I think those two losses have kind of lit a fire under, under my ass a little bit and, you know, had me release my hands, you know, the way I do in training a lot more. I, in my last fight, you know, to fight a guy like Henan Burrell, you know, a very respectable opponent, you know, he, he's a killer in, um, in every area of the game, I want to say. So uh, for, for me to go out there and, and knock this guy out and, and take him out is going to be it's going to be huge for my career. And this is one of those fights I just didn't want to pass, pass not even pass. I didn't want to lose the opportunity of uh, taking this challenge compared to uh, taking a fight with somebody else. So it, it's just one of those fights that definitely motivates you to to bring out the best that you can be. And, you know, it's going to see this fight is going to show what Aljamain the Funk Master Sterling is made of. And I can't wait to show the world what, what I've been working on and what I'm really capable of doing when I'm when I'm firing and also on this. Uh, well, Al Jermaine, we can't wait to watch you, brother. We'll uh, we'll let you get we'll let you get going now. We promised we'd we'd make it quick. We're sorry for bugging you so late in camp, but man, we're really excited to to chat with you. Really appreciate you making time, and we, we're really looking forward to uh, talking with you after the fight, brother. Thank you, thanks, thank you guys for having me. Our pleasure. Take care. That was awesome. Now this guy, he literally was <laughs> like texting us on uh, yesterday and today, telling us a schedule, and he, I'll tell you guys. He does not have many holes in that schedule. He has definitely did that to talk to you all while he was doing other stuff. He's got pre-fight uh, considerations in addition to the training and travel arrangements and all that. So really cool to talk to him. It's, it's, it's tough. I, I've always said this, Mike. If I, if, if I was a professional fighter, I wouldn't talk to anyone at like fight week itself. And that's when they, they get most of these, these requests, you know, the pressers and, and these, uh, these media scrums. I give them a lot of credit for doing that. It's uh, even in a short period of time, it was good to get a little glimpse into his world because it is. It's a lot of stuff going on in Aljamain Sterling's world right now. He's a vocal critic. He's an entrepreneur. He's a top ranked, a top five guy. Like, the guy's got a lot of stuff going on. You know the the media day on mm-hmm. Fight Week. Like, you know, it was Thursday. They moved it up to Wednesday. Mm-hmm. It kind of goes back and forth. It seems like yeah. these days between Wednesday and Thursday, and like you're in the heat of the weight cut, and they make them, these people go to sit in these <laughs> in front of the, under these heavy lights. Um, so and definitely everything you mentioned and aside from everything that he has doing he has going on for his preparations for his fight at UFC 214 
his team in Long Island mm. is preparing for the UFC on Fox 25 card. And, you know, Chris Weidman's fighting this weekend. Yeah. Uh, all these six Long Island fighters are fighting on this card, not all from his gym, but, um, you know, that's that's got to be a toll yeah, uh, just split well. of resources. Your coaches are there while you're in your right. final week. You know, like it's a tough thing to manage for sure. So, you know, there's definitely a lot on his plate, and we appreciate uh, him taking the yeah. time out to talk to us. It'll be interesting to see, um, it, you know, what we can do. Like he mentioned, those split decisions, the two losses that yeah. could have gone the other way, uh, definitely not unanimous or um, decisive one way no, or the other. No. So it, 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 it'll be interesting to see him bounce back. And this is a guy, you know, it, it's really – it's really interesting to see how he would have been, what he would be at right now if he was still undefeated, if those mm-hmm. two decisions had gone the other way. Yeah, no, you would imagine he'd be, he'd be fighting for a title. But, yeah, I mean, it's uh, – Sterling Cody Garbrandt could be a fight that we'd be talking about. Oh, uh, I mean, I, and I still, I still think it's very possible. Like, whoever, you know, if he beats Hennem Burrell, uh, I don't see why he wouldn't be in consideration there very, very, very soon. He's, he's still at the very, very top. But, yeah, he had those very close uh, in his decisions that he disputed. Yeah, I think if it wasn't for those – uh, being official uh, L's, yeah, I think he he would have already been uh, fighting for the title. His next fight probably would have been the t- you know a title fight. But luckily he's young, uh, and although he's he's at a he's at a point in his career where you never know if he's gonna continue fighting or not, depending on I guess the opportunities and the money. Um, if 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 he, they, the UFC can uh, make convince him it's worth his while, he can be around for a while athletically, right? Like he's. He's got plenty of time with him, you know, injury, barring injuries that he could be uh, chasing the title for a while. So he's still a top guy to watch. It's funny how fast he, he rose to the top of those rankings. I remember when he renegotiated with the UFC. People like that zero. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and he it's deserved marketable. it. And it's the people he beat, too. When he got into the UFC, he beat amazing people right away. And he was in the top five very, very fast. Like, we were talking about Kalen Curran being put against top opponents very young in a career. So has Aljamain Sterling uh, been tested, and, and he's, he did really, really well. Uh, it's, it's pretty remarkable because we've been talking about him in the top five to ten for, like, the last two or three years, which is crazy because uh, that's about his entire time in the UFC. Oh, we just got a, a note, too, from we, – we didn't tease it at the beginning of the hour because we were also uh, working with him on, on his schedule. We've got – Looks like we got a third guest. We just got the text, uh, Mike. Andre. Pulling out all the stops for the, the <laughs> anniversary, anniversary show. show. Third, third guest. I don't know if we've had three in one before. This might be the first? Maybe. Yeah, yeah. maybe. We'll have to go back. You guys can let us know. Uh, we are, of course, streaming live now on Facebook. So if you guys are commenting, uh, you know, you can remind us of any mistakes we make. <laughs> if you remember our three-guest show let, prior to this, let us know. But we'll give uh, Andre touchy-feely a <laughs> it's the most ridiculous and awesome <laughs> nickname that I know of. Uh, in MMA. We'll give him a call in a moment. He's fighting again for the first time since, uh, I believe, was it the fall he last fought? He's a team alpha male uh, stud, one of those many uh, contenders they have. And he's got a fight coming up. Is that also on 214? It is, right? Oh, let me check. check. Yeah. See, but if it is, that means he's fighting in his home state of California, and I, and I think that's the case. And that's Which is also be. like fighting in the home state of Texas. You know, you could be <laughs> yeah, that's 12 right. hours from home. <laughs> You'd be thir- um, 1,300 miles away. He was supposed to fight. That's right. His fight was uh, was supposed to fight um, uh, his name, Korean Superboy, and yeah. that fight was called off. But now he's fighting uh, Calvin Qatar, who's I believe making his UFC debut. Oh, that is was, that right? Yeah, Sherlock still to, has Korean Superboy as the uh, the fight. Jeez, I'm yeah. Crazy. That was the uh, news that came out. At least I think you know we can ask him. <laughs> yeah. No, no. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. We'll give him a ring if you're ready, Mike. Yeah, I'm ready. All right. Cool. Let's try him out. 
Andre, this is Elias. I'm here with my co-host, Mike Dice. How's it going, brother? Going well. Thanks for being on the show. Thank you. So how have you, how have you been spending your time since, uh, since your, your last fight? Have you been healthy or have you been having to, uh, to recover from injuries? No, nah, man. I've been busting my ass. I've uh, been like six, yeah, it's been like almost eight months since I fought. So by the time I fight, it will have been almost eight months since I fought. And uh pretty pissed off because it's like eight months of my prime that I haven't been in the cage uh, winning fights. But I've spent the time getting better, man. I've, I've fallen back in love with the sport after the Hacker and Diaz win. And I I just kind of went back to, to the gym and lived there you know like i just got back to the gym and haven't left uh, i'm putting in two or three practices a day for the past six months you know it's just it's been uh it's been good for me man i mean I, i'm really i'm really pretty pissed off that i haven't been able to fight in the past better part of a year but i've been in the gym the whole time i've been getting better and i've just really been like fine-tuning my game and it feels good i bet i mean and when you fight actively i mean the positive is you're doing something you love you're making money but and correct me if I'm wrong. It's it's actually tough to actually get to to improve other than like conditioning or timing or something. It's hard to actually get better at new skills in training camp itself, right, right Andre? Like you have to do that in between fights. So yeah, say, training camp is a pretty yeah tra- training camp is pretty specified stuff. Like get ready for this one guy. Make sure you're in shape. Take care of your body. Peak your body. All this shit. Right. Whereas when I'm like if I if I'm if I have no fight on the horizon or if I know I'm fighting in three months, you know, or, or, or really far out or there's nothing really confirmed and I just I can just go to sparring and have fun, that's where I feel like I can make some improvements and add stuff to my to my arsenal or you know, if I don't have a fight lined up I can spend I spent like for instance like I spent like two months just doing jujitsu like hmm. four or five times a week, you know, whereas like in, in fight camp I got to I have to balance everything. I, if I'm fighting a guy who's a jujitsu black belt, I'm obviously gonna work jujitsu but I'm going to work other stuff to try to knock them out when we're on our feet, you know, like, well, I'm going to, you know, it's like, it's like in fight camp, it's very specialized. Whereas if I'm not in fight camp, I can just do whatever the hell I want. You know, I can, if I want to take two months and just grapple every chance I get and do nothing but jujitsu, then I can do that. And then all of a sudden I go into this fight camp and now it's like my jujitsu feels the Mm -hmm. best it's felt ever. You know, it's stuff like that happens out of camp. I feel like. You talk about the layoff between fights. There were reports that I don't know if they've been confirmed that uh, Korean Superboy's off, and you have a, you're fighting somebody different now. What was that like? Were you were you afraid you weren't going to be able to get this fight and it'd be delayed again? Yeah, there was a minute where I was a little worried about um, a little worried about being on that card, but you know, I think I'm, I'm, I'm only 27, but I've been in the sport for a while now, and. Yeah, you kind of learn just to roll the punches, and I feel like a real adult now, you know. So I didn't really freak out about it. I just, I just, yeah, you know, I have a really good manager, uh, Jason House, and, and you know he's in good contact with Sean Shelby, and so I knew that they would figure something out, and um, I just sort of trusted what I could control. I trusted the process, you know, and I just kept training my ass off and training smart and getting better and um, just doing stuff that I knew, so, like doing doing stuff to stay sharp. So that no matter who was my opponent, I. I was going to be ready on the 29th. Um, that's really the, that's really been the biggest thing for this camp is that I just trusted the process. You know, I just I just really trusted the process, and, and for the first time in a long time, I enjoyed the process. I uh, I had I had fun. Were you always the type of guy, Andre, that 
whatever free time you had, you would go in there and just make sure you were still in the gym, even if you didn't have a date ahead of you and, and do skill work or, or, or have you turned that up a bit too? I've definitely turned it up, man. I mean, the older I get, the more professional I am about being, you know, being a fighter, the more professional I, I am, the older I get. So, um, yeah, I think, I mean, there have been, I've had big peaks and big valleys, you know, I've, I've dealt with some depression and, and things that come up. Even after I win a fight, sometimes there's a big crash, you know, and you sort of feel aimless. And then I, I sometimes I get wrapped up and it, before I know it, it'll be a month and a half before I've been in the gym consistently and I'm, I'm just eating bad and getting tattoos and mm. and maybe like making music or le- or just kind of loitering around. You know, I'm just I'm just sort of uh, just sort of uh, not using my time wisely. You know, I'm just sort of just sort of existing. You know, but that fighting always pulls me back. Fighting's like an anchor. You know, it always pulls me back in the right direction. So I've sort of gotten older and learned to trust that and sort of learn to hate idle time you know whereas i used to not mind just wasting time but now i'm 27 you know i'm in the peak of my i'm in i'm beginning the peak of my fight career and that's the best i've ever felt you know i'm just becoming more of a professional I'm spending less time away from the gym uh it, it's more consistency is more the name of the game now for me and you know i feel like i have a really strong base and i'm just back to enjoying the process of improving it i'm like i feel even though i'm, I'm like older and uh I, I'd hope I'd hope wiser. I still have that. I'm back in love with it how I was when I was 19. You know, it's a good mix of like being a grown up and training smart and and knowing to trust the process and knowing how to do the process right, and also having that love and that uh, excitement to learn new stuff and to be in the gym and actually be happy to be there. You know, that's awesome. And is it? I wanted to ask you about fighting in your home state. First of all, I don't know how much. It matters if it's a if it, you know you're gonna be fighting in Southern California. You live in North uh, Northern California. Maybe there's not as n- enough of a connection because it's a gigantic state. But if it is, if you've got people actually more people, for example, trying to go to those fights, what are some of the positives uh, of fighting at home or closer to home than maybe you ordinarily would? And what are some of the challenges uh, of it as well? Yeah, man, California. I mean, California is a big state. There's obviously a little NorCal, SoCal rivalry, but California is California, dude. I love the West Coast. I love the whole West Coast, even Portland, the Northwest, Seattle, man, where I was born. Like, I, I love the West Coast. So, fighting on the West Coast, it always feels good to me. Um, it, it's just, yeah, it's just, I'm just excited to fight in California, man. I'm excited to fight on the West Coast. I'm excited to fight close to home. The biggest thing is those flights, man. When you fight in Brazil, you take a 16-hour flight. 16-hour flight to get to Rio, you know, it's like, it's like shit when you have to fight, you know, and then you got to cut weight and fight. Man, I get an uh, hour, hour and a half flight to, to Anaheim and just get to hang out there. I'm fucking excited, dude. <laughs> it, not, it's, it's, I'm, I'm genuinely excited. Now, as a NorCal guy, fighting on UFC 214, how do you feel about the main event? Are you supporting Daniel Cormier because it's a NorCal thing, or are you going different? Um, you know, man, I... I I don't really know John Jones that well. Uh, I do. I, I've spent more time around Cormier. And Cormier's always been uh, exceptionally cool to me, man. I got I got love for Cormier because he's been such a cool guy to me, and uh, he's like a real solid dude. Um, I'm really interested in the fight. I don't really know John Jones that well, uh, but I'm excited for the fight. Uh, it's hard to say like who I think is going to win or anything like that. I'm not really big into making predictions, but. Uh, I think it's going to be a badass fight. I'm going to be watching it like 
after I win, I'm going to be sitting in the stands watching it for damn sure. Um, <laughs> I just think uh, I think it's interesting. I think that they're doing a good job playing a historic fight, but I think people get too involved in like this hero worship bullshit. You know, like people get too involved in like you see it with with all kinds of athletes. You know, like as soon as Tiger Woods does something, they like jump down his throat. You know, it's like, dude, just because you just because John Jones has done shit, you know, in the past, like. Like, you, you should like him because he's a badass fighter, you know. People, what I'm saying is people get too wrapped up in some narrative, you know, about, like, someone being a family man or someone being this kind of person. Like, none of that shit has to do with you, you know. Like, if you like him as a fighter, just like him as a fighter, you know. Hmm. It's also ridiculous to kind of peg somebody into trying to fit this model citizen mold when they're, you know, punching and elbowing people in the face. Well, I think there's a yeah, lot of great people in fighting. Yeah, but... <laughs> Yeah, there are, but there are, but like, I mean, if your kid's role model is going to be a guy who gets locked in a cage to hurt other people, like, don't be surprised. Don't be surprised if the guy does something that you don't find fucking agreeable. You know, like, I just, I just hate that like persecution of athletes. Like, yeah, like because you're, like because you're a good fighter, you can't be, you know, you you can't be a human being to make the state. I don't know. That's that shit. That shit. I just, yeah. I just, I just kind of get tired of fucking hearing about it. Honestly, I'm just, I, I'm excited to watch the fight, mm. but I'm just tired of hearing the fucking the narrative. You know. Yeah, no, I I think that's really fair, and I think you know the the spotlight that all, let's say, uh, celebrities or professional athletes face. I mean, even you know whatever sport you do, if that's if 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 you're expecting, like you said, Andre, your kid to to have a role model just based off of someone, you know, being great at a sport, that's a it's kind of a weird thing too, right? Like it's it's a strange it's thing. Very to, weird, yeah. Yeah, it's a strange thing to set someone up, like you said, as a as a, like to worship them as a hero, and then. Because the other side of that coin very quickly is demonizing them. And, of course, very few of yeah. us are complete saints or complete demons. Yeah, 100%. I and mean, we're all human beings. There's there's definitely much shittier people than others. Don't get me <laughs> wrong. But it's like, it's like, what are the odds that, like, okay, I'm a, good, I'm a person who's really good at punching other people in the face. Like, what are the odds that you're always going to like everything that I do for, <laughs> sure. to be an example for your kids? What are the fucking, what are the odds that I'm not going to say something that you don't cover your kids' ears? Like, you know, like, fuck yeah. off. Like, if you're, maybe your maybe your kid should fucking idolize a, a doctor or a, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, maybe, I don't know. But it's cool. It's, it's bad. Like, don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. I fucking love, like, I have little sisters. I love kids. I I, I fucking I, nothing is cooler to me than when a kid comes up and asks for a picture or <laughs> asks me to sign something. Like that's the coolest feeling in the world. And I, I actually go like um, I do I do stuff where I go talk to kids at like juvenile halls yeah. and stuff. Um, try to help kids like at risk kids and stuff. Like I love trying to be an example for kids, but I just hate that. I just hate that. Um, I hate that weird mm. thing that our, our culture does, where as soon as someone that's good at a sport does something wrong, it's like all of a sudden they're they've fallen completely from grace, you know, cause you put them up on some weird pedestal. And, and we've, I've talked to you before about, you know, the, the work you've done with kids and, and just your, your life period. And, you know, when you go and, and, and talk to, to kids that are maybe in juvie and, or, you know, are having certain struggles, it's, I mean, imagine I've never been in the room with you when you do it, but it's really, it's not just about, Hey, I'm a tough guy or I'm, I'm on TV. It's about your story, what you've gone, what you went through as a kid. And you're, you know what I mean? Like you could be, you could be well-known, you could be not well-known, but what you would talk to them would pretty much be the same. Right. Yeah. hundred percent. I mean, that was a big thing. Like that was a big thing. Like when I, I've talked to kids, uh, uh low income, like high schools, I've talked to, or eight, I'm sorry, in, uh, high schools in low income neighborhoods. Yeah. Um, and I've talked to um, kids in juvenile hall. Like, 
the last group of kids I talked to was a juvenile hall, and it was actually in the the county where I got arrested. Uh, and I was like 19, so I was freshly like still a teenager, but freshly an adult. I would think I was just turned 19. And and you know I could go back, I could go talk to those kids and say, look, I'm not perfect, but I've turned a lot of shit around. And like like it's it's you know it's one of the first things I say to them is like I, I understand that. As soon as I get up here and start talking, most of you guys are going to shut off. Because, like, I remember people coming and talking to me and just thinking, like, this dork kid doesn't, doesn't know what it's like, you know? But but I can look at these kids and be like, look, I, I've, I've got arrested in the same place that you got arrested in. Like, I've, I've sat here. Like, I've sat in this exact same spot here, you know? And so it's like, it, it's just like trying to, what I try to do is just fast track the information that, I, that I've gotten to them because they're a little younger than I was when I got in trouble, you know? So it's mm-hmm. like, it took me getting arrested and then getting my shit together and training with Faber to learn all these things, all these habits and and, and rules that successful people follow, you know? Um, and so I just try to pass some of that knowledge along so they can get a little earlier than I did. Mm-hmm. Um, it's always cool. It's always a rewarding feeling, you know? I'd imagine it's, so. I don't I try not to preach too much, you know, not to... <laughs> It's hard to get too preachy or any of that shit. I just, I just speak to them, you know, like the way I would have wanted to be spoken to when I was a kid, and someone was telling me like, "Here's what you need to do," you know. Man, well, Andre, we really appreciate you talking to us, man. We're we're looking forward to talking with you again after the fight, but we'll let you go. Get back to your your final preparations, and we can't wait to see you scrapping there again, brother. It's been too long. Appreciate it, man. I really appreciate the appreciate the time, man. Thank you. Absolutely. There we go. Andre Feely wrapping up a three-guest episode, rare three-guest episode of the Extra Rounds uh, podcast. Uh, interesting things to say. You yeah. know, there's a, there's a lot of layers to that onion, and he opened up a bit, and I thought that was uh, really entertaining to hear him talk about everything that he did. And, um, you know, he's definitely more – there's more to him than I knew initially. Yeah, he's an interesting dude. When I, I, I spoke to him – for a story a while back like it was the first time i think i'd ever uh interviewed him about like himself and uh as over over a year ago and i didn't know about know about this type of stuff he about you know him getting arrested as a kid you know the troubles he had as a kid and and the struggles that he has even now like like we all have our own struggles but um and the fact that he talks to these young people i didn't know about that at all before talking to him he doesn't you know, he's not preachy ever. Like, you know, like you wouldn't know about it unless you really start, start digging. Uh, he's not advertising it, but uh, he's, uh, you know, he's, he's, he's a really, uh, he's a really interesting young man. He's a survivor. Uh, he's doing positive things in his life. Like you said, no one's perfect, but he's doing positive things and he's trying to encourage others to do it as well. And man, he's a hell of a exciting fighter to watch. It's going to be fun to see him scrap again. It's that kid really lays it on the line. Uh, and he has a lot of knockouts to show for it. Yeah, he's come up with some uh, tough people. He fought Yair Rodriguez, who was undefeated up until recently when he lost to Frankie Edgar. Um, you know, and he's so he's fought so he's fought uh, in Brazil. He lost there. You know, he's lost to Max Holloway. But you know, those are his last three losses in Brazil. Yair yeah. Rodriguez, Max Holloway. That's not. Yeah, the only the people worst. he really loses to are the people in the top five. You know, like and 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 he's young enough where he can get to that point himself. I, I'm quite sure. Yeah. Yeah, and I think the the featherweight divisions that's kind of cleared up. You know, Yair Rodriguez, the Frankie Edgar, Max Holloway. There, there's a little bit of a logjam with Cub Swanson and Ricardo Lamas and those kind of oh, people. But sure. I think that, I don't think it's quite as 
I don't think the line is as long as it seems. Of course, you've got somebody like Darren Elkins who fights this weekend who's also like 4 0. Yeah, we've got um, three champions or whatever it is still. Yeah. Conor McCra- I mean, Conor McGregor was I mean, never Jose Aldo is probably going to work his way back into a title picture. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you would imagine. There's so. always McGregor if he comes back. But, but yeah, it's less so than before, right? Right. Yeah, yeah. Totally. Well, we're coming up to the, the top of the hour. So before we go, let's uh, talk about Flow Combat. What do you have coming this week? Yeah, so I've got uh, a feature uh, with Matt Brown. Matthew Immortal Brown, longtime uh, welterweight title contender. It's been a minute since he's fought as well. And in the time since he, he last fought, I believe in December, he's really picked up uh, his own he's, – he's become really a coach uh, to, his, uh, to his team, some of his teammates over at Team Elevation in Colorado. And he's been doing that for a bit. I've been hearing whispers about you know, how Matt was helping people out. He's one of the most knowledgeable, well-rounded guys out there. So it made a lot of sense. He's also really smart and verbal that he can communicate that. Spoke with him in May about it. And he mentioned at the time, Mike, that he had one of the, one of the finalists. Again, this is all pre-recorded, so he was just teasing. One of the finalists of Tough Redemption uh, was going to be doing his training camp uh, with Matt Brown. and traveling to Colorado. And it, and it turned out it was, it was uh, Jesse Taylor, JT Money, who ended up, of course, winning a really uh, spectacular fight, second-round submission win over uh, Diego Lima and uh, he did his whole camp under the supervision of, uh, of Matt Brown who went to Colorado and, um, and the, 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 the feature is basically about Matt Brown's coaching experience his reflection on that camp which Jesse uh, has said uh, said last week on Twitter that it was probably the best camp he's ever had and that, that guy has uh, you know, over 40 fights I believe um, or close to 50 um, a longtime UFC veteran so he says that's the, the best camp of his life was basically done by a rookie coach in Matt Brown. Now, Matt Brown talks about how he wants to do this uh, for a living when he's done, done fighting. He says he's not done fighting yet, but that he's set, trying to set the groundwork so that he can stay around MMA forever, and that's going to involve coaching. So I'm really excited about it. The feature we did in May touched a little bit on his philosophy, and this feature coming out today or tomorrow, uh, Wednesday or Thursday, is going to go a little bit more in depth of what he focused on with Jesse Taylor to get him uh, to a tough championship. So I'm excited about that. And then we also have a Ricardo Lamas long-form feature coming out before he fights, I believe also on the 29th, so that should be next week. We spent some time with him um, uh, training uh, in his training camp and literally in the gym with him and eating and talking about all sorts of stuff. So that should be a lot of fun. It was really cool to sit cage side and watch uh, Jesse Taylor's fight at the Tougher Death yeah, and Matt Brown. Uh, it, you know, seeing him in the coach's role as opposed to the fighter role yeah. and through going through the process backstage was uh, not how you're accustomed to seeing Matt Brown. And he says he w- he said it was weird for him too. Yeah. And I actually used some of the feedback you had given me. I said, you know, my, 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 uh, my partner, uh, co-host, uh, Mike Dice, was there. He, you know, he was observing you know, the interaction with Jesse, you know, bringing him in the, into the center of the cage. Like, all right, calm down. Look at, you know, here are the cameras. It's posed, this and that. And he actually talks a lot about that, spinning off of literally information you're yeah. giving me on that. Yeah. It was cool to, it's cool to watch that, you know, Jesse was so excited and caught up in the moment. He's just walking around the cage and it's like doing his thing. And it's like, this is television. We got we to gotta work it for the cameras a little bit and to see Matt Brown do a little behind the scenes directing. I'm sure the Fox broadcast team really appreciated Brown, <laughs> I bet they you know, did, giving yeah. him the heads up and pointing where to look. But that was, uh, <laughs> that was cool to see. And uh, that was like beyond a coach thing. That was like a mentor thing and a fighter to fighter thing right. as well. That's right. And uh, that's something that he can provide as a coach. You know, a lot of coaches were former fighters, but that's something he can provide that uh, maybe not everybody can. Yeah, very so. few coaches are at a high level as he is. Like, this is now the opportunity. MMA has been long, around long enough to, like, let's see how many of these guys and girls get into coaching because up until now, unless you were like, I mean, how many of them really were there? 
are the guys that have been around for like 15, 20 years, how many of them actually You always had to go to different people for different yeah, disciplines. Yeah, specialists, right? Yeah, yeah. And I'm sure they'll and still there's still a little too. bit some of that. Oh, yeah. there totally is. But a guy like Matt my, my Brown um, allows for the potential for something a little more different, a little more old school, a little more Mickey and Rocky where it's a former fighter and he can really oversee everything. And we see this in other places. We got Mike Brown, Dean Thomas, an American top team, you know, really on a day-to-day basis heading up stuff for a lot of, a lot of fighters. Um, it's, it's happening, but it's, it's still not common. So yeah. it's cool to see maybe the next, the next big guy uh, in coaching uh, before he even delves full-time into it. The evolution of the sport is always two things. Mm. Mm. This code players turn coaches and second generation athletes. Yeah, that's a good point. So we, good we've kind of we're kind of seeing the beginning of the second generation athletes thing. You have people like Ryan Couture and AJ McGee, but that's uh, a good point. We got which know. we got to have those guys on. Yeah, we should. Uh, I got to bug them. Uh, but yeah, those are good. Those are good guys to talk to. Yeah, no, it's fascinating. So thanks for asking. That's what we got coming up. Yeah. Then on Fan Side, we have. Uh, I want to just take a time to highlight something that Mike Heck does. He also does SFLC podcast. Yeah, great podcast. I don't know if he's been on the. Uh, I the have. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's a cool thing he does where he has a lot of MMA people on for a little bit roundtable discussion. But he also does a Future Friday piece. Um, so just always make sure to look out for that on Friday. He interviews some up-and-coming prospects who are on the cusp of uh, joining the UFC. He had um, Kurt, forgetting his last name. Uh, he was just on the Dana White Contender Series. Ah, uh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, his last name as well. Yeah. That's a cool thing to do, man. Contender, contender watch. Like, if you want to be on the cutting edge of the sport – you know, listen to podcasts like that where you're going to be listening to the future stars. You're going to be the smartest guy in the room, the smartest girl in the room if you know who's coming up before they're on, you know, James on the big Lynch stage. James at Flow Combat's one of those people. He does too. a great job with that, too. He really does, the prospect watch. So thank you, everyone, for tuning in to watch. For those of you listening on the podcast, on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Blog Talk Radio, wherever you're finding the audio-only version of this, if you want to watch and see what we look like, don't get your hopes up, but you can at the Sports Illustrated MMA Facebook page every Wednesday, 3 p.m. Eastern, 2 Central, 12 on the West Coast. Uh, or if you're watching and you don't always have time to be glued to Facebook to watch us, you can listen on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, tune in, all the podcasting apps. Um, but thank you, everyone, for tuning in uh, and celebrating a one-year anniversary. I'm sure we'll find a reason to keep that celebration going next week. <laughs> but uh, thank you, everybody, for tuning in, and we'll see you next week. <laughs>